0: Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz and welcome back to the third Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 22nd, 2023 and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast and I'm excited because we continue to have some different new and different things. If you haven't checked out the Wonder Wednesday post from last week, it's the first one where we put a picture as a background for it. I thought it was really cool. It was really sweet to see that Covalence retweeted it, so it was really kind of fun to be able to see that. But it's also been really just exciting, again, to reiterate just the excitement that I see with this continuing to move on, and especially as we are in the season of Epiphany, where we're seeing the light of Christ, where we're looking and trying to understand the early parts of Jesus' ministry and seeing Jesus as being the light. I think it's really fun to kind of see this light for me of what is all going on with this and that people are enjoying this, and it's really fun for me to be able to be thinking about that and to be pondering that. But it also kind of digs into the question that we had for this last week, which was, when has your curiosity allowed you to look beyond where you're at? Or when is your curiosity allowing you to look beyond where you're at? And I think that's kind of this constant battle that we're going through. I think at this moment with the trauma of what we've gone through over the last few years, I think at times it's really difficult. I think there's times where we're, very short-term focused in a lot of different ways. And I think as a society, we've also kind of curated ourselves to look into short-term focus. But the issue that arises from that is with a short-term focus, we get short-term results, not necessarily long-term gains. And I think when we look at the world in which we're in, we have to look together as a community for long-term. And we'll get into a little bit of how the curiosity and desire this week has kind of been one of the subpoints as kind of the science tie-in for the text this week kind of helped prompt and it changed the world forever, in one of the examples that we'll be using. But I think also this idea of our curiosity constantly pushing us forward, constantly forcing us to reevaluate where we're at and reconsider what life is all about, I think is very important. For us to be able to grow as people and to just move and breathe and become the living people that God has created us to be. So let's dig into the text this week. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. This text is brought up partially because it is directly referenced in the gospel text this week, but it's also Isaiah again in this reminding phase of the tribe of Israel who have been going through a lot at this point, nearly getting overthrown, that God has not forgotten them, that there will be this great light who comes out of the darkness and is helping this nation to multiply and increase its joy and that there will be this great rising up that comes from that and that the rod of the oppressor Will be broken because of what is going on. That this is no longer going to be this people that is constantly under control of someone else. That there will be a time where they rise up. That there is something coming that is much greater than what they can understand at this moment. The psalm that ties in with that is Psalm 27, verse 1 and verses 4 to 9. And this is this reminder again of with God being our guiding light, who then shall we fear? That when we are dwelling with God and trying to understand the ways of who God is and spending time, how much we can learn, but also how much We are lifted up into becoming the people that we have been called to be and seeking after who God has created us to be and thus helping us to recognize and become who God has created us to be. The New Testament text this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 10 to 18. This is continuing on with exactly where we left off last week in 1 Corinthians. And like I think I stated, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians here for this New Testament text for the next few weeks. But it's this idea here of how there is starting to be quarrels within Corinth that some people, depending on who they're baptized or who they're following, say, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ. And Paul then kind of recognizing this isn't what you're about. It's not about who baptized you or who you're preaching and following. It's about that you're following Christ and that you're grounding yourself in this gospel and grounding yourself in what Christ did for us. That It's what Christ did that's valuable, not who's the one who led you to the faith that it's Christ is the one that's worthy of following and worthy of the name and worthy of recognition, not us trying to keep a scorecard of how many people we're bringing into the faith or walking with us in the faith. That's not what it's about. It's about following who Christ is. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 4 verses 12 to 23. This text to me, and especially with how I interpreted this week, I think verse one is really important. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew from Galilee. He then starts to kind of pull off and away. This is then to fulfill what we hear in the first reading this week out of Isaiah. And then he starts to go and start to call his disciples. So he walks by the Sea of Galilee. He gets Simeon, who's Peter and Andrew and says, follow me. I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they drop their nets and follow him. Then he sees James, the son of Zebedee and his brother, John, and he calls them and immediately leave their father in the boat. And they then are following him to where he is teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and the curing of every disease and every sickness among the people. So this idea of how they are leaving behind what was to pursue something that is new. So this is that constant interplay that we are in when we're discussing this and this constant where is God in this moment? Where is God steering us and pulling us to become the followers of who God has called us to be? So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do a shameless plug oh, Working Preacher. If you have an internal Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwave podcast or commentaries discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to look at the different commentaries, look at all the different discussions, and as I've discussed before, since I'm working a little further ahead even reference their archive on their Working Preacher podcast. I find it extremely helpful. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really like how they lay out the text each week, along with having different art to help me with interpreting and thinking about these texts. And it would help you probably in trying to decipher and think about these different texts, along with different suggested hymns, prayers, liturgical colors that tie in with this. So if you haven't checked out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. One final thing that I'm also going to plug this week that I don't do that often is if you look in the description of these podcasts, I always try to link back to, if I've ever talked on these texts before, the podcast that I did, since it's a typically a three-year liturgical cycle I have covered most of these texts before, and I sometimes will take a peek at what I did before, and I just took a glance at where I went last time. And I think there's some really interesting things talking about mutualism and working together and kind of some evolution type stuff in that regard. So if you haven't checked out the one that I did three years ago, I'd highly recommend it. Because I think there is some interesting tie-ins. But when I'm coming at this three years later, there's a lot of times I also try looking and thinking about a little bit different. So I have some different tie-ins for this week. So if you haven't checked out three years ago, I'd highly recommend doing that also. I think this is a really interesting setup this week. One based off of what we had last week. The one week that we drop into John. And John has the calling of some of these disciples of come and see, come and check this out. Come and let's hang out for a while and start learning about this. Where we get the contrast this week where Jesus now, it almost still can have that inviting tone of follow me and I'll make you fish for people. But also this more, instead of, yeah, come on over, let's check this out of come follow me. I have something for you. Something that's a little bit more forward, if it's probably the right term, a little more insistent. But I think it's also this point of the recognition of what Jesus is going through. This recognition of Jesus recognizing that the person who was there to pave the highway to help get things going is now out of the way. Unfortunately, his cousin is arrested and as we will find out probably later here in the next few weeks, he doesn't make it. In Jesus, this upsets him. It's his cousin. But it's also this moment of John is no longer there. This crutch is no longer here. I now need to become everything that I am supposed to become. I need to be able to take hold of this opportunity, but also I need to then be who God created me to be, recognizing and reading a room in a very interesting way. Paul even kind of recognizing that a little bit and saying that you're here about following Christ, not following individuals. Hence, being after this text and knowing what Jesus walks into. And the call in the psalm to be following after God leads us in these ways. So when I was looking at these texts, there was two different ideas that came to mind over the week as I was working on this. One of them is a kind of a controversial part of history, and one I think is a very easy thing that anybody could use in a sermon, but I think I'm gonna start with a little bit more of a controversial and hard part of history, and that means looking at the Manhattan Project. The Manhattan Project, of course, being when the United States, along with Canada, the UK, worked together to create a nuclear weapon. To be used to potentially argue that end World War II or potentially use as a threat to kind of help show the world how strong the Allied powers were, various different forms. But let's get a little bit into the history of what was going on. In 1932-33, Leo Stillard is over in Germany as a German Jew and theorizes that you are able to use nuclear materials and it could be used to create energy in a chain reaction very similar to how chemical chain reactions work and working with Enrico Fermi who was an Italian they worked together to kind of create and patent this idea of a atomic pile or a atomic reactor where it would be able to kind of be self-contained and create its own energy thus creating a patent essentially for a bomb and part of the idea of creating this patent was that then no one could use it it was then in 1938 german scientists were able to create fission in the lab and if you know what happens after that this is where the story gets really kind of crazy 1939, the beginnings of World War II happen as Nazi Germany starts to annex different parts of Europe. And as we talked about a few weeks ago with immigrants, we thus had German and a lot of European immigrants to a lot of allied countries, including the United States, including the UK, because of what was going on with Nazi Germany. In doing that, Stillard and Fermi wanted to draft a letter to write to Franklin Roosevelt to essentially state the Germans are working because they've been able to create fission in the lab. Hypothetically, they have the power to create a super weapon that the world has never seen. And really, we should be developing a team to be able to work together and try getting ahead of the Germans and at least having this tool available. In order for that to happen, they needed some type of big name to be in support of this, and in that case, it was Albert Einstein, who typically was seen as a pacifist, but in Einstein's thought, was seeing it as either the United States, Germany, or Russia was going to be able to split the atom first, and it was a question of who was going to do it in a way that produced the least amount of harm for the world. And in his opinion, if the Germans were able to do it, there was going to be nothing but hardship for the rest of the world. And so that's partially how Einstein signed it, which essentially helped get Roosevelt on board to create a whole committee around working with the enriching uranium And they got known as the Uranium Committee, and they had multiple Nobel laureates on the committee, a.k.a. people who have won the Nobel. So Ernest Lawrence, Harold Array, and Arthur Compton, who were also part of this committee, which helped make up a lot of the different ideas to be able to start working with this. And a lot of the physics and chemistry to get this stuff to work and eventually getting Robert Oppenheimer on board and being able at the different test sites, Oppenheimer also doing some amazing recruiting to be able to get people to work together to create over a multi-year process, work on a project that didn't leak to the rest of the world. And we know then what happened, the tragic events in a lot of ways of us dropping nuclear weapons on Japan. But the whole working together and process of what that was is quite remarkable when you think about it brought the world together. And in a lot of ways, it was the beginnings of how governments supporting and working science to be able to do these big projects. It costs $2 million, which now in today's currency is roughly about $25 billion dollars from the videos that I was looking at that were a couple of years old at this point, but AKA it was a huge, vast amount of resource. And it was amazing to see United States, Canada, but even the UK and working together to be able to come together to be able to do this and work together for something much greater than themselves. And so, yes, there was the fallout of what led after where we got into the Cold War stuff, but it was the aspect of, Seeing a common goal and working together toward that goal, and everybody coming together around that goal to be able to at least develop out the technology, which we learned later that the Germans weren't nearly as far along as people had initially thought. Before I get into kind of how that ties into the scripture in and of itself, I kind of got to get into the other example that I found, and that was coming off of, and I again, like I always do, I'll attach all the links down in the show notes. But it was a great little short video that I found online talking about honeybee swarms. And again, I'll attach some additional resources verifying what this guy is talking about. But how honeybees, when they get to their capacity, what they'll start doing is they will create a swarm, aka they have about 48 to 72 hours to split off. So a lot of these worker bees split off. They kind of develop their own queen and they're looking for a place for them to be able to establish their own hive. They're looking for a place to be able to settle and in this case this guy finds in the city this group of honeybees that is looking like in a rough situation so he happens to have a bee box and is able to have the bees transferred into that but even out in the wild that you typically will have where a good section of the hive will split off to create their own new hive and thus how the population grows and it's this swarming activity where there's a lot of reproduction and kind of helping the hive to establish the new hierarchy and where it's going to go to grow and continue to spread the population of honeybees. The reason that I bring all this stuff up, it's not necessarily Jesus fully seeing the opportunity there, but it's the moment of Jesus realizing that this is the time. This is the time to move and to make a reaction that now is the time to split off from the rest of the hive to establish who they are and continue to grow the movement for honeybees, for instance, but essentially to establish who they are to help people really start to see who God really is. And that also means that there's going to have to be others who follow along. If we look at the Manhattan Project, the urgency that Stillard and Fermi and even Einstein with writing to Roosevelt saying we need to get this committee together because if we don't, the world will not be able to function the way that we are used to, that this has the potential of really changing things being able to figure out how to take uranium from 238 and separate out the radioactive 235s and thus being able to use neutrons and blasting them at them to create these chain reactions and the physics that was all there. And this is all stuff that's new and fresh and cutting-edge science at that moment. The neutron, as they're working on their initial paper in 32 and 33, had just been discovered. So this whole idea to be able to have the theorized of what that would look like and then being able to do some initial tests to be able to even create a patent that the UK then took and made confidential was huge. That was cutting edge and within five years later, which sounds like a great amount of time in the world that we're used to with how fast computer technology works now, but if you look back at that period of time, that's still pretty cutting edge and that you're just getting fission to actually happen within the lab the year before, to be able to say, we have taken theories on this, we need to develop this out and work this out further, is huge. The whole idea then of splitting off and we need to do this to save whatever we have. Jesus then being able to say, with John not here, with John kind of being a supporter of Jesus and no longer being there, now I need to go and actually do this. There is no life vest. There is no person who is out there talking me up anymore. I need to actually do the work in which I was called to do and to do it. The urgency that sometimes that takes and to be able to get others to follow along and to see the light of what you're seeing is quite remarkable. To get bees to go off from their safe hive that we have two to three days to reestablish ourselves, otherwise we're not going to make it. But do you want to join our hive? It's pretty impressive when you think about it, the risk that that means, the test of faith in certain ways that that takes to split off to go and find a new home, the risk that they were seeing if the Germans beat an allied power or even Russia, which we know how that relationship also went with history being now in our past with what happened. But this idea of what happens if the Germans actually split this first could mean massive destruction. So this urgency then of doing this. And I think Jesus feels this urgency of, I need to do something. We have then the first Corinthians text kind of helping us understand because of what Jesus did, it's, This is that's what makes this remarkable. It's not about what we're doing as individuals. We're trying to reflect of who Christ is to us and what Christ has done for us. But this is the moment in Matthew of when Christ is saying, okay, it's time to go. It's time to actually start doing this stuff. The psalm reassuring us that the more time we spend with the Lord, the more we're able to understand who this God is, and this creator is, that is so transformative within our own lives. Thus, living out this potential of what we are all being called into when you look at the manhattan project when you look at bees splitting off and becoming a new hive the potential of new honey and being able to grow and find a spot where they can really grow into something or the manhattan project seeing it as if this doesn't work as what we know of the world just might end there was risk but there was also a reward in doing that You look at what the disciples did, leaving everything they knew to pursue where God is steering them wasn't without risk, but it was also paid off handsomely and that's that whole thing of being in touch enough with god to be able to understand that being in touch with this is a very difficult project the manhattan project was there was a lot of science that got developed in four years a lot of stuff that just propelled very very quickly to be able to get to points where they could actually utilize it is huge but yet we can't be afraid of that either we have to be willing to be in those difficult situations to move forward if a bee can leave the hive with a swarm of other bees to be willing to pursue to find something greater why can't we be okay with the idea of god calling us out of our own comfort zone we've talked before in the past on how bees have their own waggle dance to make sure that they don't get lost but here is a moment where they're literally leaving what they know behind Here you had refugee scientists realizing what the fascism and the politics of what was going on in the situation, the risk that was there if nothing was done. And no matter how hard the equations were and to figure out how to get this all done, the risk of having, in their mind, the Nazis get it before they did was much greater. And so we just have to figure this out. There is no second option. Jesus at this moment, John is no longer there. There is no other option. It is time for me to go and do my ministry. It is time for me to call James and John, which if we're combining the Gospels, we would assume that Peter and Andrew and James and John all know who Jesus is. They've spent some time with him. They've probably been pondering this some with what is all going on. That when the call comes that they're ready and prepared to go. When you had these scientists who had been in communication enough to be able to work together and work at a global scale to be able to create these amazing projects. Or to have groups of bees working together to swarm off to create a whole new hive is pretty remarkable. It's the whole difficult complex of when is it time to separate out but also to work together still as a team. That's very difficult. It's difficult to be able to recognize when is it time for a new venture and to join a new team or when is it time to pursue something with another group of people. That's always hard. And the risk of going down the wrong path or taking ideas and that they never go anywhere is always there. But it's the question of, are we willing to still pursue them? Trusting that God is still in that and as long as we are continuing to work and be with God Trusting that God will continue to steer us in where we're going also. These aren't easy questions They aren't easy answers. So the question I have for you this week is when have you had to make a tough decision for the greater good? Leaving the hive isn't easy. Jesus being welcomed into his ministry wasn't easy. The Manhattan Project There was no part of that that was easy. From beginning to end and we can debate if the Manhattan Project in the long run was for the greater good I would argue that yes it was just even with the amount of scientific discovery that came out of it but the challenge of a lot of times within life is being able to balance our wants versus something that's going to be greater for everyone else than just ourselves and that's the challenge of life and that's the beauty of where the psalm ties in of recognizing that when we are afraid, that's those moments that we pull into God and we cry to God and we're looking for God and we're asking for God to show up and God will show up as long as we call and look. But we're willing to do that even when it's hard, even when we aren't seeing it like in Isaiah when the tribe of Israel is going through all this stuff and what do you mean that something great is gonna happen? I don't see it. We have to be okay with sometimes taking the longer approach and looking long, and being able to see that the results and answers don't just appear magically right in front of us all the time. That it takes time for that to happen and that's what's hard. Sometimes that's real hard and that's where faith comes in and that doesn't make faith any easier but we see the faith. Of Jesus living out then this moment of it's time for me to do my ministry. And do we answer that same call when we are called upon? Because that is what is expected of us if we are to mimic Jesus. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through Zion.